You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to another special coronavirus edition of Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. Uh, again, as always, I am your host, Ben Wolf. And uh, what I want to cover today with our guest is, uh, is, is an extremely important and, and more fundamental topic than just talking about specific tactics or ideas uh, for dealing with the economic slowdown or shutdown uh, that most people are experiencing uh, with this lockdown, but really want to learn today the most effective mindsets for entrepreneurs that make the difference between success and failure uh, in a crisis and also contrasting that with what mindsets make the difference between success and failure in quote unquote more normal times. Uh, and also AKA this episode is why being realistic is the enemy and only brain damaged people succeed in tough times. Um, encourage everybody to subscribe to subscribe, excuse me, leave a review on Apple podcasts, Google play, wherever you listen to podcasts, it will make this obviously more available to you and to a people in the future by doing that. So please, please do take the time, leave a review. If you appreciate what the guests and I and everybody are, are sharing here, encourage you all to do that. Uh, and with that, I want to get into get into excuse me introducing today's guest, who is the CEO of Fizna, a firm that has developed 3D model search and comparison software used in engineering and manufacturing. He is also the founder and chairman of the board of Zoozler, uh, a web, app, and media development and marketing company. Uh, he is an accomplished serial entrepreneur starting at age, uh, at age 16 in the Midwest when he paid his way through school in order to move independently from the United States to Switzerland in order to finish high school, which is something that I do all the time. And he studied astronomy and astrophysics at Harvard, attended law school in Heidelberg, Germany, where actually my dad uh, lived and his brother was bar mitzvahed back in the 1950s in Heidelberg. You can find out more about him at his company's website, physna.com, P-H-Y-S-N-A.com. And with that, I give you Paul Powers. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And um, as I always do with my guests, even though we have a special topic today, I do want to give people a little more context maybe to some of the aspects that aren't on your official quote-unquote resume on paper that uh, kind of got you to where you are today and to what you care about talking about now. Just if you don't mind giving a quick two-minute history on uh, where you where you got now and and, and how, how this gives us sort of a context for what you're doing now. Sure. So I think one of the big moments in my life that kind of helped form who I am is, um, ironically enough, given the topic of today, sort of a quote-unquote crisis. Um, you know, my uh, my dad was involved in a, an accident um, working. Uh, he was a, tra a railroad engineer. He drove trains. He's alive. It's just, uh, you know, he was, I had to take a lot of back surgery. Um, my, I have extremely supporting parents, which is, I think is one of the two things that helped me um, shape my mindset growing up. And the other one was the, the fact that because my mom had to go back to work and I had to become homeschooled at a very young age, um, becoming more independent and autonomous. And that allowed me to do a lot of neat things. I was able to really explore who I am, what I wanted out of life. My, uh, my heroes were people like Einstein and Newton who had 
you've seemingly moved humanity several steps forward in just their short lifetimes and uh, done so mm-hmm. in a very meaningful way with not creating an app or a, a tool, but creating um, a whole new set of principles that allow people to build on top of them. They really are the giants upon whose um, shoulders we sit. And I found that I had a love for science, had a love for technology, had a love for innovation, and decided to go into um, astronomy and astrophysics. I did that. Um, I was able to do it pretty young because I was homeschooled, so I, I didn't have to read Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, still haven't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I, I was able to skip. But I got to go to um, take chemistry as young as uh, 12 years old at uh, you know, the local university here. I went to high, uh, Harvard at 16 and um, focused wow. on a- um, astronomy and astrophysics. I was uh, into quantum ph- physics at 14. And, and, and that's, and I'm not trying to be uh, braggadocious there. It's just, you know, I, I was able to really dive deep into what I wanted. And I didn't have an Xbox, so it was easier for me to focus on things that, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> in the, the academic areas that were of, interesting, of interest to me. Um, I went to Switzerland after that um, for an exchange year and uh, learned German. I have uh, some degree of Swiss ancestry, and I thought that that was really neat. I kind of thought that Swiss was going to be like German, uh, you know, Switzerland would be like Germany, same language, but more mountains. Found out they have a very different dialect, so I kind of had to learn the language twice. Um, I was going to come back to the U.S. and uh, go to MIT, but I was kind of going through this crisis where I was realizing, uh, if you will, a a personal crisis, if you will, where I had realized that if you wanted to change the world, times have kind of changed. It's not the same as, you can't really go to a blackboard or a whiteboard and just kind of write down a theory and say, done, thanks. Uh, I, I've changed humanity. Nowadays, you have to have <laughs> grants, you have to have money, you have to have people behind you. And I realized that if I really wanted to change things, I needed to run business. And um, I had an entrepreneurial streak in me. I think that, that you know, I inherited that from my family, but they've, um, you know, even though I came from a pretty um, poor family, or not poor, not poor, but, you know, lower middle class, they, um, you know, some of them have done quite well for themselves uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective. And um, mm-hmm. I, I loved running companies. I, I loved the innovation behind it, and I was able to support myself abroad. And decided not to go to MIT, not to pursue science, but instead to go into business. And I thought, you know, I can do that the regular way and go into uh, business. But uh, um, I, I thought that I might be able to get more connections if I went into law. And I was told at the time that, you know, at least from, uh, back when this was the case, uh, that no American had ever moved over to Europe, you know, to Germany or Switzerland or anywhere, learned German and then passed the German bar. And that was something that hadn't been done yet. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I could pull that off? Set a um, world record. Made, yeah, probably the dumbest world record ever set. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a good reason that nobody else did it. I, I, you know, if there was intelligence behind passing it, then fine. But there's a lot of foolishness behind it too. Uh, mm-hmm. It used to be pretty foolish to take that, uh, in, in a sense, to take that uh, to go to Germany versus Austria and Switzerland, which are far easier when it comes to the bar exam. But you know, one thing that I think I did right was I I knew what my outcome was. I, I knew what I wanted at the end, what my goal was, and which, which was to be an entrepreneur. And I knew that um, I had to do it in primarily the B two B space, you know, the business business space. And mm-hmm. um, to get into technology, I needed to have connections and I need to have experience. I need to have some kind of unique perspective. And I already had a, enough understanding of science. Um, I realized that going to computer science wasn't necessarily going to help me run a company, but it would be a contributor. And I realized that um, business school doesn't really, in my per- personal opinion at the time, uh, again, I'm young here when I'm making this decision, I was thinking of it as, look, business school is going to teach me how to 
work in a business, not how to run one. So I thought maybe law school is better just because it'll give me a different perspective. Whether or not that's the right choice, I can't say, but it, it worked out for me. I was able to pass the bar, uh, did very well. I was able to um, meet a lot of great people at law firms and um, while running companies to support myself over there. Luckily, there's no real tuition in Germany to speak of, but I still mm -hmm. you know, made enough out of these other companies I was running to support myself. And um, I went into intellectual property because that was the, basically the most, it's about as technical as you can get in law. You know, so I thought if I'm going to be close to science and technology, I, you know, IP is the closest I can get. And, um, and I realized there was a, a huge problem that we couldn't prevent patent infringement. And that's what inspired me to start FISNA, to identify, um, to really bridge the gap between the physical and the digital and, you know, find ways of understanding 3D models and uh, a way that makes sense to software. Okay, awesome. I appreciate that that context, and 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 so I think that's a good jumping off point for getting into when the first thing I want to talk about, really, which is number one in general, and number two in a crisis like like what's going on now with coronavirus, is you you, you know you listen you founded and scaled up several successful startups. Um, I understand you believe that having just the just the right plan isn't necessarily the key, and 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 what you found are you know if you'd be able to speak about what you found are some of the more common denominators in terms of mindset that you have seen make the difference uh, between those who succeed and those who fail, you know, first of all, in, 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 in general times and, and also in crisis times like now. Humans have several innate biases that make success unlikely. And a percent, you know, looking at the whole, one of them is that we plan backwards. Uh, what I mean by that is that we're told from a young age to think through not where you want to be at the end. Where, where do you want to be on your, your when you're on your deathbed? What do you want to look back and say? You know, my biggest fear in life is looking back and having a regret, saying, "Man, I wish I tried." Or what if? If, I, if I'm saying what if mm -hmm. on my deathbed, that to me is the ultimate failure, right? But we're trained to think in terms of what path do I want to choose? Do I want to go to this school? Do I want to go to that school? Do I want to study this? Should I study that? Should I work here? Should I work there? And people don't give enough thought to where they want to end up at the end. And it's kind of akin to, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't, you know, let's say you don't know how to get there. That's fine. You just put, turn on Google Maps and you don't give much thought to I need to turn left out of my driveway and turn right in my driveway. Your mind's on the grocery store. If there's a red light, a stop sign, a detour sign even, you'll find a way to get there. Most, What I've found is that most people are more committed to getting to the grocery store than they are to fulfilling their goals in life. As soon as they hit an obstacle, as soon as they uh, you know, see a red light, and, and you know, they change their plan altogether. And rather than viewing the goal as sacred, as something that you can't change, they view the plan, uh, um, they, they view the goal as something that they can change rather than, than the plan. You know, if, if you want to get somewhere, you change the road that you're going to take, not the ultimate goal. You need to go to the grocery store. You're not going to stop off at a movie theater and say, okay, that's good enough, right? There's no point going to the movie <laughs> theater if you want to get to the grocery store. But right. a lot of people do that with their lives. That's one bias that we have that's backwards. We think in the wrong direction. Um, the other thing that we do wrong is we think um, we're trained to think pessimistically. Um, we are, we, we stopped evolving roughly 50,000 years ago, right? Um, most scientists agree. It's roughly around that time frame. 
think back to 50,000 years ago, we were not only afraid of other humans and actually other forms of <laughs> uh, uh, of Homo sapiens, not even Homo sapiens, we had Homo erectus and everybody, a uh, whole bunch of other types of uh, humanoids, but we were also worried about um, saber-toothed tigers, etc., and virtually everything could kill you. So we have, you know, our, our evolution sort of stopped at a point in time when the wrong decision would mean death. And so we have another bias that we have is we're unreasonably afraid of risk you know it's 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 an unnatural it's a stupid thing on paper but it's how the way that we feel about risk is um deeply ingrained in all of us and it's like hard hard hardwired but disconnected from the actual risks of a failure we're hardwired to think of failing and um in a business context as the same thing as dying and that's something that is inherently wrong with us. And then the third bias that we have is that we seek peer approval. Um, mm-hmm. We defi- How we define success is not from a macro enough perspective. It's from a peer-to-peer perspective. So if you grow up in a poor neighborhood with people who are, you know, the, the best 10% of people near you maybe are getting by, maybe they're not going to jail or something, that to you is success. If you grew up in another neighborhood where maybe it's a little more affluent and people are doing a little better, you know, maybe you have to make over a certain salary to be successful. But that's not a fair way to view your life at all. Um, and who says that money is the definition of success anyway, right? Everyone has a different um, source of dopamine, essentially. There's a different calling that everybody has. So those three elements, in my mind, are these three biases. Um, they combine into this cognitive issue that makes it hard for people to be successful. And so the reason that I've you know mentioned to you in the past that I think that you have to almost have a brain defect to be successful mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur is not a diss at entrepreneurs. It's saying we're you have to either be hardwired or rewire yourself to seek not survival but thrive to thrival right you in the past saying i want to leave this hut and go find a better hut could mean dying and why would you you're you're going to survive in that hut you have enough food to survive the winter and you don't need to have a slightly more comfortable hut so it's stupid in the past to go out and take a risk nowadays what's going to happen to you you know your credit score might be affected (laughs) right so but (laughs) you could become far more wealthy and you can become fulfilled in life and we're immensely lucky to live in the times that we do and i think that you know for me and for a lot of other entrepreneurs out there it's you know partially maybe we do something wrong with our brains and that's fine if we do it's a it's a lucky disadvantage and in fact most things in evolution um are that right if people who um sometimes it's actually a flaw that leads to progress and so i think that this might be you know hopefully what we'll find in the distant future is that humans will evolve to think less in terms of surviving in the tundra and more in terms of you know being all they can be with the slightly more secure world that we live in now compared to the past right so so what so i guess what you're saying is you you find that if somebody is uh i I guess if you had to bring this down to the the mindsets that make the difference for success it's it's overcoming like you know again either naturally or through sheer force of will rewiring yourself so to speak to number one focus more on your end goals and not so much 
and just kind of pushing through anything in between or continuously rerouting anything in between between you and where you want to get to, but focusing on your outcome, your end goal, as opposed to just, you know, the more preferred next step or two uh, and overcoming or pushing through that fear of failure because of an intellectual recognition that it's not, uh, you know, that the consequences are not going to be that bad, even if you do fail. So it's more worth it to try in the cost-benefit analysis. Uh, and and uh, and what and what was the and what was the third you talked about? Uh, you talked about fear of fear risk. Of relying on peers. Oh, and peer peer influence, right? Is is not caring as much or not? You're looking at peer approval, right? As as a way of justifying your life, and and I think that's the biggest way to short sell your life I can imagine right I mean you have one chance you got one lifetime um, who cares what you do I mean if you want to be successful in business that's great if you want to drive, be the best bus driver in the world that's great but you've got one chance to be happy and if you find happiness and I think the the purest form of happiness is fulfillment right feeling like you're doing the right thing and for every and look that's different for a lot of people, right? Um, I'm really lucky because, you know, for my parents, their ultimate fulfillment was making us successful as their kids. And that I think mm -hmm. was the biggest contribution, you know, anyone could ever give anybody else. It's the biggest sacrifice you can give. Um, I guess in that sense, I, I'm not as selfless. Maybe I'm more of a selfish person and that I'm less concerned about, you know, having children and, and passing on all that attention. Maybe that'll change. But right now it's all about, you know, in my mind, it's all about success, um, and my the, my version of success is fulfillment through creating technology that moves humanity forward in a major way. And it would I, I'd be lying if I said that I have I'm, I'm purely altruistic and all of that. Sure, there's a little bit of um, there absolutely is some degree of um, egocentricity in all of us, right? So when I when I want that. Uh, saying, oh, I don't care about the fame, I'd rather be behind the scenes. I, I'm sure that I would actually prefer to have a little bit of acknowledgement for some of the work <laughs> here and there. But, you know, we, we all, the important thing is that we're striving for something that matters and that we're not allowing ourselves to be reduced to the level of what neighborhood we happen to be born in, um, what, what poverty level or wealth level we happen to be born into, and that we accept ourselves for who we are. And I think that one thing that worked out real well for me from the homeschooling perspective was that um, due to a, some degree of a lack of peer pressure, since I wasn't in school day in, day out, um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had a unique, up, I guess, unfair advantage and then I got to look at things, I, I got to watch the History Channel, right? And that was my source of mm -hmm. uh, inspiration for who do I want to compare myself to? not the person sitting next to me and the person sitting next to them. And <laughs> I think that that helped give me a bigger, a, a broader perspective. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Right. right. And, so, and so let's say you talk about these three mindsets, right, of, uh, of not looking to the peers, not being overly risk averse, not deciding based on just short term considerations. How does how do these three main mindsets, which sound like that's something that's universal and we should be thinking about all the time, how does that fit into something like, do, how do you see that as fitting into something like what's going on now with coronavirus and the economy shutting down in, in, in some ways and all the isolation and, and, and just social distancing, et cetera? How, do, how does, what are the right mindsets for now or how do those mindsets fit in for now, times like now? I think that they are, 
more true than ever. Um, the the truth of the matter is that there, and and not to overload the conversation with mindsets, but I think that all of them actually come down <laughs> to, a, a, to 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 a common element, which is your fulcrum of control, you, 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 the fulcrum of of power in your life, right? Is it internal or is it external? So some people, when something bad happens, they say something horrible happened to me. I am a victim of my circumstances. And other people say, this is the circumstances that I am working under, but I, my success or failure is a product of what I do as a result. Um, two different mindsets for the exact same situation. People who have a goal in mind, not a plan, right? It's, it's really easy to sit here, especially on a, you know, on a podcast, and to act like I've got all the answers, and, and there's a very specific uh, plan and, that you should follow, and you should do X, Y, and Z to get through this crisis mm-hmm. successfully. And, and uh, sure, I would love to give people some tips. I don't know if they'd be better than their own tips, but um, we all have our own ideas. The truth is that the right mindset is 10 times more important. If you think about you know, the 80-20 principle, right? You know, the 20% of what you, uh, of, of X results in 80% of the value. Uh, 20% of what you do is 80% of the value. And there's, and there's mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a mathematic principle behind that as well, uh, in a broader sense than just in a psychological perspective. And you look at um, your mind, the, what contributes to success the most, right? If you don't have fuel for your car, you're not going anywhere, no matter how nice of a car you have. And even if you know how to drive that car really well, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. you don't have fuel. And the same is true with motivation, right? If you don't have the right mindset, you're never going to get motivation. If you don't have the right mindset, you're never going to seek out the information that will give you the right strategies. So if your mindset's off, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how, well, uh, you know, how many strategies you're aware of. Um, and it doesn't, you're not going to have what it takes to, to get it through a time like this. And really, yes, we're all going through a time of crisis right now. But aren't we always, I mean, like, just because we're all going through this doesn't mean that as a for an individual level anyone's going through more or less of a crisis than they normally would be you know somebody out there listening to this might have had a family member pass or a, mm-hmm. um or have had a, a a crisis in their own business or in their own lives that is that eclipses for them on a personal level what we're going through as a society right now mm-hmm. yes all of us are going through something that is unfortunate but the way that you handle life and the way that you handle this crisis i think are one and the same you have to keep if you keep the goal in mind and you view this coronavirus not as something that should alter your goal and not as something that defines you and not something that you are a victim of but something that is just the playing field that you are in and the cards that you're dealt with how you handle that those cards and how you handle that um, those circumstances is going to determine whether or not you're success and actually successful and actually what i think is that as a result of this or any other crisis what we're going to see is that people with the right mindset are going to see an acceleration in their success versus people who have the wrong mindset because you can't prosper in a time of um, of crisis when you have the wrong mindset. A great example is the stock market. Look at what's amazing to me is that you know, I mean. I love I love following these things because because I'm I'm interested and I, I get obsessive about things and I, I've been following the coronavirus for a long time and I find that you know mm-hmm. it's been clear to me for a while now that we're going to hit the numbers that we're hitting and much higher numbers that we haven't hit yet as of you know end of March 2020 and um, and it's not a shock but the news 
impacts the stock markets in unbelievable ways. And it's because of this sheep mentality, right? The, 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 and I'm not saying that it's not serious. It is very serious. But the fact that people are just now waking up to the fact that this is a, is a pretty dangerous, you know, coronavirus that we're facing and uh, it could potentially affect our economy is, is that's what shocks me. It's a great example of this herd mentality of this, this peer to peer view that we have, right? We're looking at each other for reinforcement on what we should be doing, how we should be acting, um, what success looks right. like. And we're looking to each other for insight when really we should be looking at ourselves and just saying, okay, look, I'm, I have the same goals that I had yesterday. I woke up one day and there was coronavirus everywhere. Does that mean that I'm going to change my goals? No. Does that mean that I might have to take a different path this year? Maybe, maybe not. But that's just like anything else. You know, I mean, look, last year, my co-founder and a deep, uh, very good friend of mine passed away unexpectedly. Um, that happened mm. end of October 2019. Unexpected. Oh, gosh. You know, yeah. and there's never a good timing for it, but it happened. And our team pulled through it, and we still became successful after that. And um, any other team, I think at that point in their history, right, you're, you're a startup, for crap, uh, for God's sake. I mean, you're going through all kinds. I mean, every moment is tense. There's, you, you, there's no... Uh, yeah, at least at this point in our history, we, we didn't really know, uh, you know, how we were going to get through the next few months anyway. Now you have your co-founder and your CTO pass away, and that for us mm. was a very, very serious crisis. We made it through it because we had the right mindset, and we kept the macro view in place, and we decided to put it in perspective and said, look, you know, we can sit here and give up. We can sit here and cry um, for an extended period of time. We can say, poor us, we're victims, this doesn't normally happen this early on in the startup and we could have given up. Um, or we can say, look, this is an extremely unfortunate event, but let's let's turn this into his legacy. Let, let, let's make the best out of this that we possibly can because we owe it to him. And and that's how we chose to handle it. And not a single person in our company, we, I was told by a lot of my peers that a third of our company would probably leave as a result of um, someone, so you know, the, the co-founder passing away. Um, that we would probably see a third mm -hmm. of the people leave, that um, all hell would break loose, our investors would abandon us. I was giving these horrible predictions. And if you look at you know, statistically what happens, they were all right. It didn't. And it, it didn't happen because we knew how to put it into perspective and we knew how to turn that tragedy into a rallying call. And I think that if I can give one word of advice for the coronavirus, it's the coronavirus mm -hmm. should not affect your goal and you should view this as a rallying call to do even better work. Right. Well, that's good, and and that and that's a really, really powerful example. I didn't, I didn't, you know, in our previous conversations, we didn't. I actually didn't. I don't think that came up. So, um, just wow. First of all, and and second of all, it makes me think of your your example from a minute ago for what's going on now, with the you know just a simple GPS analogy, you know, which is that you put the you put the destination of the GPS. And let's say there's a horrible traffic jam, a 58 car pile up, like somewhere between you and your and the you know the best route to your destination, um, and it's just gonna say rerouting. You know, it's gonna take the traffic into account. It's gonna say rerouting, and maybe you'll get to that destination later than you were originally going to before the traffic jam happened. Um, but you're still gonna get there, and of course. You know, you don't change your destination. It's like, oh well, let me let me go somewhere in the neighborhood instead of whatever wherever I was gonna go, uh, because of that, uh, because of that, because of that pileup. Um, 
you know, it, it seems obvious, I guess, when you think about it, but, um, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's super valuable to have that reminder. And I guess one last thing I wanted to get to while we had time was, uh, was you, you spoke before about this kind of, um, this kind of bias that we have towards pessimism, um, some might call it realism, but either way, you know, the, you know, the brain, the brain damage quality that really is a key to success of being optimistic, right? So what, when you're going something like what's happening now, right? What's the, what's the place and what's the balance between optimism and pessimism slash realism? going to use a few words here that I think we should all try to avoid. One is balance. Right? Uh, uh, <laughs> this, is no, this is no slide at you. This is something, the word that I use all the time and then I smack myself. No, I want to hear it. Because I think that the word balance is very, very often misinterpreted. Um, balance is both a very good thing and a very bad thing, depending on how you view the word, which, 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 which Oxford dictionary result you're looking at. Um, balance as a, as a trade-off is always a bad thing. Uh, in my personal opinion, you should never balance work and home. You should be amazing at work, and you should be amazing at home, and you should give everything in both. Um, you shouldn't, if you're balancing. That's just another way of saying you're half-assing both in some in some definitions. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I might I might feel like how could I how could I do better than half you know you know doing a half-baked job at both? I only have 24 hours in a day. But yeah, go go ahead. Well, does your work really require that you spend 24 hours a day focused on, uh, you know, what you do? And does your your wife or your kids do they really require 24 hours a day nonstop attention? I mean, most likely they would probably be annoyed with you after you know a certain number of hours. I mean, that's the thing that you personally. I'm just saying. I mean, certainly with me, <laughs> if I were to go around my family for 24 hours a day nonstop, con constantly having meaningful conversations with them, at some point they'd say, "Paul, please go away." Right. So, so, so as long as you're giving it your all, you know, and those hours, I think that you can be everything you know there there's um if you want to use the word balance then sure by being your all in both home and at work um you're not giving up on being your all in either location as long as one's recharging you from the other balance in the sense mm -hmm. that you have to uh do damage control though is dangerous and in the case of optimism versus pessimism that's exactly what it is pessimism i can't mm -hmm. think of a single example and i would love to hear it if you've got one i, I from a you know, academic standpoint, I'd love to hear it. When pessimism has ever done anything good, um, pessimism is a handbrake. Uh, it stops you, in your, uh, and it doesn't steer you in any direction. Uh, optimism is a, is 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 a gas pedal. It's fueling you. It's it's pushing you forward. Now, sure, if you go, if I were to get in my car right now and push down the gas brake, and I didn't uh, push down the pedal, and I didn't have a hand on the steering wheel, I'd probably run to a tree or something, and that'd be pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, if I had a handbrake on, I'm not going anywhere. That's pretty sad. I've only got one life. I really want to sit in my parking, you know, in my garage the entire time. No, that's pretty sad. To me, that's the ultimate failure. <laughs> probably even worse than wrecking into a tree. Realism is the steering wheel, right? If you're optimistic and you know how to drive your car you're fine, right? And you can be very, if you're good at steering quickly, you can go very fast and you can have a lot, and optimism will fuel you to go the right way. Um, we're, we're predisposed to pessimism biologically because of the example I gave before. You know, we're, our, our right. brains are uh -huh. born 50,000 years before the time we live in. We think of everything as life and death. 
So to overcome that, you have to actually put it on paper and realize that the realistic view of the world is that you're not in a life and death situation as much as you think you are. Um, and in fact, sometimes the biggest risk you can take is taking no risk at all. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I guess when, when I think of, or what, what, I th what I think of when people mean pessimism is the idea that you look at all the things that can go wrong so that you can preempt or plan around them. So you could still get to that goal, but uh, but not not fail to take into account uh, the the problems or roadblocks or obstacles that would be in the way. So that you know, not so that you could sit in your garage, but so that you can appropriately plan around them and account for them and preempt preempt them before they happen, uh, which you wouldn't be able to do if you just you know don't think about it. You can phrase it this end. So I understand exactly where you're going um, and what you're saying, and I understand, and and we're on the same page. But there's one difference that I would say that matters when it comes to the semantics of it, and that is, why do you want to prepare? So uh, I'll admit here for the first time publicly ever that I'm a little bit of a prepper, right? You know that, that you know when this coronavirus thing happened, I was kind of laughing at my girlfriend, saying, "Hey, look, see all the dumb stuff I bought isn't so dumb now." Um, because I, I've been doing that for a couple of years, and is it because I'm paranoid? <laughs> that, that three years no, of dry goods. Exactly, it's not paranoia. The reason is just because I looked. I told her, look, the reason that I buy this stuff is because I realize that, objectively speaking, if I can spend one percent of my disposable income on a one percent likelihood of uh, of a catastrophe happening, like a nuclear war or whatever, then then it's a it's a logical way for me to spend that disposable income, um, and as, as as part of a contingency plan. Is that pessimism? No. Um, okay. To me, that is okay. that is the most logical, calculated way that you can act. The reason that I do that is the motivation isn't pessimism. It's not, I'm not buying, I didn't buy those things because I thought it's a 99% chance of happening. The world's going to fall apart tomorrow and zombies are coming to get us. That's not what motivated me. <laughs> Realism made me think mm -hmm. there's a 1% chance of this happening. So if over years I spend 1% of my disposable income on, you know, dry food and whatnot, then that's fine. Um, but the reason that I did it, what motivated me to do it was optimism was even if, all these things happen. We hit a nuclear war. We have the worst coronavirus in modern history. We have whatever happened to us. I want to. I want to be alive. I want to still go after right. my goals. I don't want that to hinder me. I did it because I wanted hope, no matter what happened. So mm -hmm. it was optimism that drove me to go get those things, and it, because I, I wanted. I thought even in the worst case scenario, I'm going to survive, and I'm still going to become successful. And it was realism that told me how much money to spend pessimism had nothing to do with it right well i appreciate that I, I, and I, you know, I appreciate the the nuance in there and you know we just encourage everybody to remember what 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 paul has been talking about and this this basic bottom line which i think i think i would certainly you know understand to be on the same page with even if i don't live it as much as others do um but being focused on end goals and that that mindset of being more focused on end goals and and not just on what's a pref preferable or more pleasant next step or two, uh, and not not being too influenced by the people around you unless you're unless you're making an effort consciously. I know some people try to surround themselves with people who are much much better than they are specifically because they are 
they know about that influence. Actually, that that point actually reminds me of something that Maimonides writes, which is which is to say, uh, which is to say that it is it is nature to be influenced and to be you know to to have your mindset formed by the people around you. And what he says is you know not to ignore that and just be around the same people but he says that he says that's just natural it's like a law of nature he describes it and it's you know you've described it that way too in terms of our own hard hardwiring so he says to you you know so based on that to engineer the people you surround yourself with to take advantage of that fact rather than fight against it uh, it's like an interesting um an interesting bit of advice but um but focus more on the end that's goals that's a good piece of advice right but I think what's more important than that is realizing that the only person that can make you happy is you and the only person who has to live um, with who you become and look back without regret. The only person who can give that to yourself is you. Your peers can't do that for you. That Well, there's no doubt that you're right. I mean, it's a, it, and that's a powerful point to end on. So God willing, let's, you know, we'll do our best to, uh, to, to, to focus on where we want to go and not, overly exaggerate as as we are naturally prone to do the you know the 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 consequences of failing or just of those roadblocks that we hit in the in in between but it's just a matter of hey it just means we have to hear in our head rerouting rerouting and you know and and find a way to the same goal um despite that or around it Uh, but thank you paul for everything that you shared today and we're hopefully going to post this episode right away um, as opposed to pre-scheduling like we usually do. I want to get this out there, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Ben. Stay safe. Yeah, you too, and everybody too. Thank you very much, and we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.